Super Talk Mississippi media production. In Mississippi, with our ever-changing weather, termites and household pests can disrupt your family life and take a toll on your home. Call Family Termite and let us help protect your home. 601-933-1014. Or reach us at www.family-termite.com. What is up? I am Brian Scott Riffey. Like, I just said a Monday. <laughs> that explains what we've dealt with this morning. Yeah, so the last, like, hour, we just had a, all kinds of technical difficulties from this hotel room at Hoover. What's up on a Wednesday? Let's try that again. I am Brian Scott Riffey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Wednesday, July 17th edition. It's July Bama Day edition of the Rebel <laughs> Report because the elevator lob- in the lobby at the uh, Winfrey and Hoover is packed with Alabama people wearing all kinds of weird stuff, um, varying varying degrees of hair length and facial hair and all kinds of other stuff. It is uh, They pack it in there. Um, Saban is at the podium as we're recording this. Um, but, yeah, it's Alabama Day. How, uh, how much would I have to pay you to go to today's event if you weren't covering it? Uh, you wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't go. I, I, I don't, I don't, the one thing like they say, this is a fan event. I don't quite understand that because they put them all in this, like, like this, like fit, not fenced off, but roped off area in the lobby. And it's like a little, just like small, like, excuse me, pit. And like, you can't walk around and do anything. All you can do is hope for like autographs as the coach are walking like downstairs to the radio row to upstairs and uh, like the print media room and vice versa. I really don't get it. And you're packed in there. It's like a petting zoo. You know Saban hates this day too. Uh, yeah, more than likely because he didn't like talking to media and there's hundreds of us here. Um, well, that so- and the, all his fans are yelling at him wanting to sign something. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, this is uh, I've only done this event one time before this year, and I came once for a day trip, and this was like three, four years ago, I think. So, like, I uh, I don't know what to think about this. Like, it's fine, but it's kind of a zoo. <laughs> That's a good word for it. I would uh, I would not want to be there. Uh yeah. So Ole Miss went yesterday. Uh, they brought, of course, Matt Corral, Mohamed Sonogo. And Alex Givens, um, I thought it was fine. I thought they handled themselves well. They didn't really say anything of note, um, which is good mostly. Um, but I thought they were fine. Matt Corral got asked, you know, all kinds of questions about what's it's like being a redshirt freshman here. Um, everyone seemingly wrote a different version of the same story about how you know this is his program now. Like he's in a room with four freshman quarterbacks. Um, he is now the de facto veteran because he has four games of very limited experience, which is more than the three guys trying to back him up because the three guys aiming for his backup job were playing high school football last <laughs> fall. Um, so, I mean, it's a really young team. I mean, no matter where you look, I mean, there's some veteran experience in the linebacking core, a little bit in the secondary. Um, I guess the defense isn't quite as young, but the offense is is all – underclassmen essentially it seems like i mean it's literally 
other than a couple spots on the front of the, like the first team offensive line and like Scotty Phillips, it's, 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 it's a lot of young guys. So yeah. it's a really young football team, but that's a kind of a product of the, uh, that is kind of a product of the, of the NCAA sanctions. Cause they're just now getting back to 85 scholarships. Um, and so I, I didn't really have that many, like, just like, I guess like, takeaways that stuck out from yesterday i don't know john rice Plumley is not going to play safety he's not going to play anywhere on the defensive side of the football he is going to be working strictly at quarterback which i found interesting because that tells me they don't really trust either one of those kids that was in there for spring and i don't mean that like they don't think they have a shot with them i just think they're like kind of from what they've seen those kids don't appear to be anywhere close to game ready and they need another option at backup quarterback and he fits he fits Rich Rod's system there as a running quarterback. Um so I, I found that interesting. Is it is it possible that in recruiting they promised him they'd give him a shot at quarterback? I, I guess that's certainly possible, but at the same time I just feel like if they felt really good about Tisdale or Dent, they would want Plumley's talent elsewhere on the field because Lord knows the defense needs it. Yeah, sure. I, I just kinda think that uh I think they told the kid, Hey, you're gonna have a shot at quarterback. And, you know, I think they'll give him this shot, and then I think in a year he'll be on defense. And it's not maybe that he's not the best backup quarterback. It's that he's way too athletic to stand over there and hold a clipboard for too long. Uh, yeah, probably. And then at the same time, I was talking to Neil about this yesterday. Um, not that, that – I'm not saying this is a – there's a court – this is Matt Corral's job, and he's going to go in the season as a starter. But he – that's like it's, it's everyone's pretending like he's proven – <laughs> you don't really know what you have in him yet either. So I'm not saying it's likely where the, like, I'm not saying Plumlee is going to come in and end up being the starting quarterback here. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying you don't really know. Like it's not, this is not a done deal. Sure. But I think, I mean, you do know if John Rice Plumlee is starting game seven at Auburn, that uh, you're in a mess. Whereas, I mean, if Corral's starting that game, you don't feel as bad um, just because, I mean, look, Corral's, like you said, he's not proven or anything, but uh, he's obviously the guy that, if Ole Miss is going to be successful this year, is going to have to be the man behind center. Yeah, but that's kind of, it's kind of my point. Like, yes, if he's started, he's a mess, but, I mean, what if it, it doesn't work? I mean, I'm not, again, I don't particularly foresee this happening, but, I mean, what if it doesn't work out with Corral and Plumley? turns out and turns out to be a better fit because he is more of a he ran more of a similar system to this in high school than Corral did although Corral says this is the exact same offense he ran in high school which I found interesting because I don't at least looking up the very non-reliable numbers he had in high school he didn't run as much but anyway I'm just saying like he's not like this like more polished experienced guy than Plumlee I mean he's got one year in it but they're both learning the same system all Matt Corral has him as far as that is the spring like they're not proven anywhere at quarterback. No, I mean, obviously, I mean, he played four games last year. One was against the best defense in the country, and three were against teams that weren't very good. Well, I think he played against South Carolina. But, I mean, it's – I mean, you're just going to have to wait and see and, and see what you get out of each and every quarterback. I mean, obviously, Corral's going to have plenty of leash. Um, you know, I don't think there's any way he's not starting the first six games of the year. I guess you can convince me if it went poorly, he might get benched after that. Uh, but like you said, I don't foresee that at all. Uh, yeah, I'm not so, saying it's going to go poorly. I'm just like the fact that this foregone conclusion that this is his program for the next three, four years, I don't think is set in stone yet because he's going to have to go out and play. 
and play well. I don't foresee that happening. I think he's got talent. I think he showed um I think he showed a willingness and an ability to run in a system that didn't really require him to. Yeah. Uh, last year with Longo, I think he's got really good arm talent. I think the accuracy could improve a little bit, but it's been okay, at least from what we saw in the spring. So I don't see that happening, but it's just like, it's almost like they're treating, like it's almost like Corral is viewed like a Che Patterson or Jordan Tomu. And like this kid's a red shirt freshman that, you know, played very limited in four games. I, I'm, and wouldn't I'm, have played it all if the rule hadn't changed, honestly. Yeah, I've got no issues crapping on Phil Longo. I will give him a little bit of credit. When they put Matt Corral in last year, they let him run the playbook. Like, they let him run the offense. And I know, obviously, it's a different offense, that type of thing. But he wasn't baby last year when he went into football games. So, I do think that kind of helps him that he just didn't turn around and hand the football off. Well, yeah. And remember, he only got to run 60% of his playbook, we were told. <laughs> Well, that was just in the goal line, right? Uh, sure. I don't know. It's nonsense. We've already been oh, over this. Can we get Phil on the podcast? Um, I can text him. Uh, <laughs> I don't really know what I would get in response other than maybe like a graphic of their stats and how well they did last year, even though. <laughs> I mean, what? Four-letter words. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not going down the Phil Longo soapbox Wait, again. That was, that was a disaster. His numbers probably changed, Brian. I mean, that was probably a university phone, right? Uh, no, this one was not. Oh, wow. Um, Subtle. Yeah, so anyway. um, So, yeah, that was kind of the main takeaway I had from today. I wrote a story about Corral. I wrote, like, a general notebook. Um. You know, I just pointed out, and I think I've already pointed this out. I think I may have said this on Monday show. There's one guy on Ole Miss's two deep on the offensive line. Like, so beyond the first team offensive line, the second team offensive line that has played a football game, a college football game on the offensive line, and it's Chandler Tuit, which obviously not very much experience there, but literally none of those other guys have ever taken a college snap at, on the offensive line. Michael Who's? Howard's a converted tight end, has played special teams before, yeah, but. That's it. Who's the guards on that team? It is um so you go left tackle, I believe. Let me make sure I have this right because I wrote it down. Yesterday, so left tackle, yes, yeah, Howard. Left guard is Jalen Cunningham. Center is Samuel Plash. Right guard is Chandler Tuit. Right tackle is Hamilton Hall. Okay. That is freshman junior into it. Plash is a sophomore, but I'm not even sure if Plash is on scholarship. He was not last year. Jalen Cunningham, freshman, and Michael Howard, a senior who has been playing tight end. Um, not great. No, that's 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 not great at all. And the odds of you having the 2012 year where you get all five guys to play all 12 games without an injury um, is not, not likely. I mean, if there's an area you're going to point to on a football team that's going to be banged up and guys are going to miss games, it's the offensive line. And so one of the things I asked, um, I was talking to – um, Givens about yesterday was just like, well, one, I was just like, is it like, this has to be different for you, right? Cause you kind of look around and like, you know, the guys you've been playing football with the last three years are all gone. It's almost like all his buddies are gone. I don't even, I'm sure he's friends with the other guys, but I mean, Ben Brown, a sophomore, Eli Johnson, a junior Royce Newman, a junior. So, I mean, there's some experience on the front end, Bryce Matthews. Those are guys that have been around, not necessarily played a ton of football, but like, I just haven't, like, there's no, you know, there's no, um, 
what am I trying to say? I mean, there's just there's there's no um, the guys that played last year. No, I mean his experience is guys that have been in the program. Like he's not looking over and seeing Sean Rawlings. Right. He's not looking over and seeing Javon Patterson, or he's not looking over and seeing Greg Little. For some reason, for a second there, I just blanked on all three of their names. Um, so, I mean, there, there's none of that going on, and I, like, and so I just have to imagine it looks different because even if he's got guys that have been in the program and have had some experience around him, like the Matthews and the Ben Browns and stuff like that, it's still not the same guys. And the room has to be younger because the dudes next to him are freshmen. Yeah, I mean that's kind of how it works. So. Obviously, I mean, he, he's the leader of that, that group now, and uh, it's going to be, I don't want to say on him, but, I mean, he's the guy with the most experience and the guy that they're going to look to, you know, when, when they need that yard on fourth and one. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be be the guy for Ole Miss, kind of like Sean Rawlings was last year on the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I asked him if he, if he kind of felt a sense of responsibility to get those guys, like, game ready, and he was like, yeah, because, I mean, they, they're not, I mean, He's not being obtuse. Like he knows that all five of them are probably not starting all seven games. Like he he knows this is going to have to, you know, he's going to ha- those guys are going to have to play at some point and probably early in the season. Because hell, I mean, there's very rare occasions where you go through an entire game with all five guys playing at every single snap. So much less a season. Yeah, exactly. Much less a season, and so that's uh, that's probably going to be the biggest area of concern because you started getting injuries on the offensive line and guys start struggling and, and, and don't block or having trouble struggling. That offense, particularly one that wants to run the football and kind of go laterally and get in space, is going to uh, – that's going to be tough. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that that's the – if you want to tell me, you know, Ole Miss's record, tell me the how the offensive line does because it, it, depending on how they do is I think the cornerstone for how this team performs. Yeah, and I don't know. There just seemed to be a general – The really the only other takeaway – not only other takeaway, but one of the, the main ones I had yesterday is there's just kind of a sense of optimism now. Um, like, I mean, he's not going in – like Matt Luke for the first time or whoever the head coach was for the first time in like four of these things is not going in, you know, asking about loaner cars or scholarships or, you know, what you're doing as the interim or, you know – can't go to a bowl none of that i mean for i mean this sounds simple but like they were just like any other team in there and that hasn't been the case the last four years like there's always there's been a unique situation honestly what was funny was that they got a couple they got quite a few questions about what advice they would give to missouri guys (laughs) what'd they say um, like muhammad sanogo gave a i'm assuming it's a missouri reporter a pretty good answer just being like look just control what you can control like, you know, we, we were happy to play all 12 games. Yes, going to a bowl game, you know, not being able to go to a bowl game sucks. But, like, you know, the season still matters. It's just, you know, your typical yeah. answer. But uh, I, th- that that was really the, the only NCAA-related questions I think they got were, were hey, you guys have been through this. What, is, uh, what would you tell the Missouri guys? And <laughs> Missouri's is interesting because I think there's a chance they could still go. Yeah. Like, that appeal has to be ruled before the season, I guess. Oh, it has to be. I thought it had. I thought they could rule on it during the season because they did that with Ole Miss. No, no, no. I, no, no, no I said that wrong. That's what you're talking. That's what I'm talking about. Before the end, like if it's ruled before the end of the season and the bowl bans oh. upheld, but if it's still not, like if it's like, you know, December or January, then I think they can go to a bowl game. I'm pretty yeah. sure on that. Well, you know, their baseball team was eligible for the postseason, even though they had a postseason ban because the appeal hadn't been heard. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And so I think, and I think a lot of people thought they weren't. I, I've spent, I went through half the baseball season thinking Missouri couldn't go. No, no, they were eligible. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gone to Hoover. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Like I, I, we finally figured that out in like early April. I think we were talking about it on the radio show. So, but to the larger point, I think there's just a sense of positivity, you know. I and uh, for Matt, he's back at 85 scholarships. I think they're actually technically at 84 right now. I think they have one open. But point being is they're they're back to a full allotment. There's no limitations, and like this is kind of the group that he's going to build. Like if Matt Luke's still here in four years, it's because all of these guys that that came to him, like you know, he and Corral and these other guys, like these these are kind of his guys for the next three to four years, and and trying to basically build this thing back into a winner. And they don't really have anything hindering them this year. They're going to obviously have some going pains and and be a young team this year. But like this this is it. They're kind of they're kind of at a launching point. Like they, they if this is either going to flop or be a success. This is where it starts because like last we've talked about before last year. I mean, yes, it was kind of, I mean, it was Matt Luke's program as his first year, but they couldn't go to a bowl game. They, you know, two coordinators that freeze hired a lot of the same players, a lot of the same recruiting and scholarship limitation issues. Now it's, now it's pretty much all back to square one and kind of where do they go from here? And that at least makes the football season interesting. Like last year, I was just like last covering that last year was a drag because you knew they weren't going to a bowl game. The results were literally the exact same thing as they were a year ago. It was a, you know, atrocious defense and an offense that struggled against good teams and struggled in the red zone. Now you just don't really know what it's going to look like, but you presume it's going to be better in some forms. Yeah, I mean, you. I guess that's the optimism is that it, it's not, you know, the drag that last year was um, because, you know, people forget this team was five and two and then they put up five straight L's to end the season. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was just kind of mundane from that aspect. So, yeah, you, you're if you're an Ole Miss fan or, you know, really anybody following this team, you're kind of just hopeful, I guess, for something new because the last few years, I mean, if you followed Ole Miss football, uh, the 2017 and 2018 teams, I mean, they played hard and they and, and they gave everything they had, but it kind of just drug out with the aspect of, you know, you're not going to the postseason. So, you know, what are you kind of playing for? Yeah, I mean, it's finally the, the Hugh Freeze cloud is pretty much gone now. I mean, there's there's really I, nothing nothing left at all. I feel like the last two years you, we've kind of sat back. Anybody that's followed Ole Miss and has pointed out, oh, that's Hugh Freeze's fault. I kind of feel like we, you can't do that anymore. I, I kind of feel like that thing's over. Yeah, no, you can't now because it's it's their recruiting. It's their, you know, they don't really have any limitations. You know, if they still stink on defense again, like there's things that have happened in the last two to three years that have made that happen. But as they go forward, like – this is not no longer Hugh Freeze's mess, but they're still like trying to, I guess, build it back strong again. But like, yeah, you can't blame it and be like, well, that's Freeze's you know, lack of talent. Like now it's just, yeah, I mean, it, that's pretty much over. I just, I have a hard time. Like if the defense is bad again, unless it's like, you know, last year level bad, like if they're improved at all on defense, I, I don't think you can really point to, to Hugh, that being a Hugh Freeze problem anymore. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much it. And it took a while to kind of shed and clean up. I just always wonder if they had fired both coordinators after he got the full-time job, which for a number of reasons I understand why he didn't. I wonder if that would have been the case last year. Yeah, but who do you hire as those coordinators? That's always the thing. Like, it's not these two guys. They were head coach. Well, I guess you could have hired Rich Rod, but probably don't because he wasn't fired till January. Um, so, I mean, you've got two different coordinators than what you've got now. So, you, I mean, you don't know how that works. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely true. I'm not saying I know how it turns out. 
I'm just saying if the feeling would have been that it was felt really felt like his program if he had two of his own coordinators in there. I don't even know how differently the results would have been. I think it would have had to have been a little better defensively they at least. Score, they score a little bit more, I think, on good teams too. Um, yeah, because, I mean, with that, that much talent and all that, that, that talent they had on the perimeter, I, I don't really see how. I mean, that's, a, that's another story. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of it. Like, what else? Um, Kirby Smart got asked a bunch of questions about how they're getting over the top over Alabama. And I uh-huh. think at one point he said, get rid of their backup quarterback. Um, <laughs> I like he that. was he was pretty loose and pretty funny. I actually uh, I enjoyed listening to him talk. Yeah, he just so how do you how do you get over the hump and beat Alabama? And he said, take out the backup quarterback. Um, <laughs> but that's interesting because they're in a weird place, man. I mean, what they had, that's that ridiculous stat where that the last two games what there's been a combined 100 you know 20 something minutes. I know one of those games went into overtime and Georgia had trailed for a total of 90 seconds and they lost both games. <laughs> That's hard to do. Uh, it's incredibly hard to do. And I don't think he catches enough flack for that fa- fake punting decision. Fake it punt may not have mattered, but that's one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, I mean, Saban topped him with the fake field goal in the national title game. Yeah, that? that's, yeah, that's very – yeah. That was just – but, like, that was more so just the design of the play where you had the holder go in as the lead blocker. It's like, what the – what are you doing? That guy's a punter. You're going to kill him. Yeah, you're going to get him killed. But, like, given the, the stage and the magnitude of the game and where that game was in it, I'd, I'd still probably give Kirby the nod because that's like – like, I remember as soon as they snapped that, and they had fields in there. So, as soon as – of course, if you have your five-star freshman quarterback in on a punt, something's up. And it's just like, what are you doing? I wonder I wonder if, like, the thought went through his mind of, oh, yeah, Nick won't see this. I mean, just that. Or even if you don't bring in fields and you fake a punt and disguise it better, why are you faking a punt there? Yeah, if you're going to – look, I'm not a big fake punt person. Like, if it's fourth and three and I want to go for it, I'm going to put my quarterback out on the field. Yeah, that's one of the things. Fake punt, I feel like, is better suited when it's fourth and maybe a longer distance. And right, it's got to yeah. be a play where you better fool them. Like, it better be one of those where there's no one within 15 yards of the guy because you ran some souped-up action or misdirection or hit a guy or something. Like, you know, hit a guy behind the line or someone they didn't have accounted for. Like, if you're running a fake punt, you probably need to pick up a decent chunk, and you better really fool them. Yeah, that's yeah, that's always been my thing. Fourth and less than five, I want my quarterback out there throwing the football, not my punter. One of the calls that never really gets scrutinized, and maybe I'm miss, maybe I'm just oblivious to it, but few freeze at that 2015 Arkansas game electing to go for it on fourth down to where Ole Miss had to block a field goal to send the game to overtime you're gonna is la- one of the worst decisions of all time. You're, you're going to laugh at me. I don't think it was that bad. Because, oh, it was horrible. That's how you get fired. Man, if you lose the game because of that. Okay, all right, hear me out. They were on the four. I've, I've gone back and looked at this because I've had this debate with people. They were on the 45-yard line. You're seven yards away from being in Gary Wonderland range. And could you really stop them in overtime? I mean, obviously you didn't. Um, and, but it and took a literal I, miracle not to it stop him. It did. But and here's the thing that people forget, too. Arkansas had to hit a 25-yard pass, go up, spike the football to get a field goal off. Like, they hit a 25-yard pass to get in range. Yeah, I mean, still, but if you put – they have zero – essentially zero chance given the amount of time left if you punt it. Yeah, but you have zero chance if you punt it. 
Yeah, but at that point, it's fourth down. Like you're like you're fourth down around midfield, like or forty five or whatever it is. Yeah. Like you don't really have that great of a chance anyway. I don't think that's inexcusable because I promise you, if they had made that field goal, there would have been people that day would have wanted to fire him on the spot. <laughs> I don't think they'd have got. If you go for it there, if you go for it there and you don't get it, and they make that field goal and you lose that game like that to that Arkansas team, <laughs> I don't feel like the way they lost was much better. No, but it literally took one of the biggest flukes that you know is you've ever seen in SEC history for that to happen. But like that would have been just giving them the game, <laughs> I guess. But I mean, they do forget they had to hit a twenty-five yard pass. They did, but like to just the 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 sheer just like it's almost like arrogance to go. I I think it was just an extremely arrogant play call. It was arrogance. I don't think it's as bad as I probably would have punted. Now let me say that. I just don't think it's as bad as you do. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that that's how coaches get fired, like making decisions like that, because that's really just kind of mind-boggling, giving, giving the circumstance. Um, not really much stuck out from yesterday. Jake Fromm is uh, the most like Georgia quarterback of all time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He he. What he's, fraternity is he in? <laughs> I don't know. He had a bow tie on, but uh, it didn't have his letters on it, so I don't. I couldn't tell. Corral's uh, in one, but I can't, I don't know which one it is. Uh, I didn't know that. Um, I think he's in Kappa Sig. Corral. Um, Corral had to buy a new suit. He found out he was going to SEC Media Days and went in his closet, and the suit he had was like three sizes too small. So he had to go buy a new suit. <laughs> he's it's been like the most nineteen-year-old thing of all time. <laughs> Corral's been working out. Uh, I'm sure the one he had was, you know, I mean, when you're a kid, like, I don't even think I had a suit until I went to college. But, like, if you're a kid and you have one and you're younger, like, that's probably something you got to go to, like, a relative's wedding and, like, you know, yeah. in seventh grade. Um, I just need the, I need the guy that just shows up in shorts and a T-shirt one year. I don't think they're allowed. I think they make oh, them really? the, Oh, Yeah, man, I think you have to wear a suit. I could be wrong about that. I mean, I guess if they, they're not going to, like, not let you go out there, but they're gonna ask you to leave. Yeah, I mean, with as much like TV and stuff that uh that that they do, because I mean, those things, I didn't realize. Like, I mean, I had an idea, but man, they put those dudes through a gauntlet. They they uh-huh. do a lot of different yeah. stuff in the couple of hours that they're on there. I mean, they're getting pulled in to different radio shows. They go into like three different rooms. I mean, that would even like like it's not like you're getting pressed with like any real hardball questions in that setting but still just the sheer exhaustive nature of the exercise is just i don't know it's impre- like a like at like 19 I'm not sure I would have handled that as well as he did but again I'm not an SEC football player so I guess it kind of comes with the territory yeah. um I bet that's a tiring day for Kyle Campbell too goodness he's all over the place I don't feel bad for Kyle <laughs> okay Kyle left me off the text list. Like to texting all the times that everyone uh, that uh, like where everyone goes because you get we got to talk to Matt like the local media did in like a side room before they kind of do the whole charade. Right. And like I'm lucky Nick Suss is just a nice guy. I was like, hey, this is what time it is. You get the message. And I was like, no, I didn't get the message. So then I go tell Kyle, and he was like, well, I told Richard. I was like. I, I don't care. Like, what, I'm what, not Richard. Yeah. What does that What does that mean? And so yeah, I don't feel bad for Kyle. Did you get added to the text list? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm on it. He literally just made a separate one and forgot to like put me in it. I guess on the plane ride home, I, or the plane ride there. I don't really know. On the very off chance Kyle is listening to it, I don't feel bad for you. <laughs> that, that that chance is probably zero. 
Yeah, I just walked up to I walked up to him. I was like, so my credential revoked? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> my dad walking now. Yeah, like, am I, am I not allowed to come to home games too? Like, I don't. I. I... Anyway, so yeah, from, from section J. Yeah, so it is. Um, it was it was a, a longer day. Um, uh, there's a couple stories up on Super Talk Mississippi's website. Um, I'll have a couple more today. Hopefully, um, anything else happened in the sports world last night? I, I really, after the riding thing, we kind of went, ate some food, and I, I really didn't check much of anything. Nah, not, nothing really happened. Uh, Jake Marisnik got thrown at from the, you, you know, he ran over Luke Roy. Right. Uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, they played the Angels again, so he got, he got, they threw at his head because that's, I guess, how you handle beef now. Um, yeah, I saw they hit him up in like the upper like shoulder and head area. I don't understand that. So like I don't what's so ass backwards about baseball is like that guy gets suspended for an accidental play and like he probably should have been suspended because by the letter of the law he screwed up even though it wasn't right. intentional, but then they intentionally throw at him and that that's allowed. I don't understand like how do you, you probably need to fix that. Yeah, I mean obvious look, I don't mind suspending him. Obviously he did not intend to hurt the dude. He didn't try to run over him, obviously if you look at the video. Why are we throwing baseballs at people's heads, man? It's 2019, and they didn't even throw this kid out. Like, come on. Yeah, I don't like throwing at him anyway, but, like, why are you like, – Yeah. If you do it, hit him in the back of the butt. Like, you yeah. can't throw I know he there. got hit in the shoulder, but that's way too close to the head, and it was the top of the shoulder blades. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a photo of it. It was, like, close to the neck, which is uh, – which is uh, less less than ideal. Like, that, that could end someone's career. Yeah, don't – don't throw at people. How about that? Like, just quit throwing baseballs at people. Yeah, and I don't really feel like the like. I, I don't see how you can look at that and be like, man, he intentionally did that. Talking about the uh, the slide in there, yeah. even though like he did, like it, it, he messed up in the sense that like the way the play like the play resulted. But I don't see how you can look at that and be like he did that on purpose. So I don't really feel like what the like I guess gigantic need was for retribution. I, I don't quite understand that. Your teammate. Um, yeah, I mean, that just it's old school baseball, man, which thankfully is dying out more and more every day. But I mean, you still got some aspects of it. Oh, um, the another note they had. So the overtime rules have changed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can't. Well, well, <laughs> kind games. of. The, yeah, they made a rule that's not going to potentially not affect a football game for another half decade. I mean, I guess we <laughs> could see one, but the way they changed the rules is. Now, beginning in the fifth overtime, uh, you don't start a drive. You just go to two-point conversions, which I don't necessarily mind. I would honestly – that would be kind of fun to see in college overtime anyway. So, I know that would kind of turn the game into a crapshoot. But, yeah. yeah, so starting in the fifth overtime, the teams do not do another drive. You just immediately start trading two-point plays until somebody stops somebody. Do they go five overtimes and then do it, or is it four overtimes and then do it's it? It's four, so beginning in the fifth. Okay. Well, that's not – I mean – that's not crazy to see get a game get to the fifth overtime. It'd be a little wild to see it. Usually they end, you know. I I don't remember too many. Obviously LSU A and M. I don't remember too many that went six. But uh, I mean five overtimes is really not that, that irregular. Um, I mean no, but like you don't. I mean when like you don't. It's not like you're seeing one or two of those a year. Like you're seeing one every other year or something sure. like that. Not a ton of five overtime games. I don't mind that rule. Um, I no, think the. The sighting of it was just like, look, they ran two hundred and seventy something plays. Yeah, I mean, in that, that Texas A and M LSU game, I enjoyed the A and M LSU game every bit of it. But like at certain point, just just in the game, well, it's dangerous at a certain point. 
like it's actually dangerous for those kids to continue to be on the field. Yeah, that's true. And they were they were I can't imagine how gassed you are at that point, particularly if you're if you're playing defense. So um, I don't mind that rule. Um trying to think. Oh, I had an overtime rule where I think it should after like three overtimes, it should be a kickoff. Oh, like God. just like just trading kickers and then you back them up five yards every time. Man. But you should be able to allow to block it. And honestly, all rules should go out the window. So you can do the leaping, you can throw like you can you can toss a guy over you can do whatever i think that would be fun to watch in a world of really shitty college kickers that would be fun i'm i'm completely out because i'm i'm almost to the point where like i'm just against kickers being involved in football besides punting like i'd rather just teams go for two and field goals not be a thing before we let kickers decide games i mean i guess but man how many football games are decided by kickers every time pretty much every week in the nfl too you'd stop settling for field goals yeah, that's very that's true. My favorite, that's my favorite thing is watching a coach like that's down two points that's in college, like settling for a 44-yard field goal with his college kicker. I'm like, bro, <laughs> this dude is shanking it. Don't do that. Probably, but I mean, then you have some cases like Ole Miss where the last couple of years they've had really, I mean, mainly Wonderlick, and Luke Logan was fine last year, but like Wonderlick was pretty much automatic 50 and in. Yeah, I mean, but how many Gary Wonderlicks in college football? Exactly, but I mean, I guess it would incentivize you to find a good kicker and recruit good kickers, because like I know the NFL is like the best of the best, but like the fact that we can't like that they can't find more college kickers is astonishing to me. Like I, I get that it's it's probably hard, and I'm probably just making an irrational, not even complaint, but just observation. But man, like how do you not find more guys that can make a 45 yarder? I'm shocked Wonderlick never got on a roster. Um. Yeah, but being a kicker in the National Football League is so hard and so much of a crapshoot. I mean, there's so few jobs and so many guys that can – not so many guys that can do it in the sense that it's easy, but there's so many guys that are really good. But, like, Um, he never went to a camp or anything. Yeah, maybe it was partly his decision. I have no idea. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Being a kicker in the NFL is is incredibly hard. And then, I mean, there's zero job security. You get cut two weeks after – like, you know, you miss right, three man. field goals and you're done, and then you n- maybe never get another chance again. It just depends on how many other kickers suck. Obviously, the kicking market would be a fascinating thing to do a story on because it is a volatile, volatile world. Yeah, I mean, because you had the uh, guy from the Browns who was like a Pro Bowl kicker have a terrible week in, in week two against the Saints, and they let him go. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, it's funny. I, I swear on every NFL team, every time they extend the kicker or actually give him, like, a decent-sized contract, the guy has a horrible year. I'm pretty sure the guy from the Steelers had that a couple years ago. Yeah. And there's yeah. one more that I'm thinking, oh, the kid from the kid from uh, the Bears kicker. I'm pretty sure he had just gotten a sizable contract. And then, of course, he had the double doink in that overtime game. It was blocked. Um, it was blocked. It was technically tipped. Yeah, it was tipped. But, like, I mean, it still hit off two uprights. Yeah, I mean, uh, Robbie Gold just got a big deal, so don't pick him in fantasy. Where? Robbie Gold. The uh, yeah, where? Forty Niners. Oh, I thought he wanted out of there. Well, apparently, you give him enough money, and he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, but then at the same time, if you're at the top of your game as a kicker, you can do it for forever. Like, oh yeah, the Vinatieri's the. What's the kid Gost- that went to Madison Gostowski? Central? Gostowski. Yeah, Gustowski. Um, so like if you get to the top and like, but those dudes are just on them. I mean, I, they're the best for the best, best of the best, I guess, for a reason, but those dudes are just completely automatic. Yeah. Um, yep. 
another thing I was thinking about yesterday is how like I like what I think the West is going to finish. I think uh, I think it's probably Alabama, LSU, and then I can't decide if it's A and M or Auburn third. I've got. Let's see. I'm going to go Alabama, A and M, LSU, Auburn, uh, State, Ole Miss, Arkansas. I think that's fine. I really believe Wait, it. Say it again. I, I've got okay. I keep going back and forth between LSU and AM. I'm going Alabama, AM, LSU, Auburn, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas. Oh, I don't like AM's schedule, and I'm not sure. They're two they're a really young team. Like there's a, a, apparently on their starting twenty two, there's one senior on the football team. And even if uh like if they wanted, like he's had so many injuries, they could apply for another year of eligibility to where he's not even technically a senior. I think I like LSU's chances okay. over um, over A and M. I think A and M is going to be good. I think next year with A and M is the year where you're like, okay, this is where they kind of contend and actually can can beat Alabama or at least challenge Alabama for the West. I'm interested to see with LSU because that defense is going to be stupid talented and. I know they say this pretty much every year, but I think Burrow's confident enough. And like, do they actually run the spread and score points? Because they could be pretty dangerous if they do. Yeah, you know, I noticed something looking at Ole Miss's schedule, and I don't think Ole Miss beats either of these teams. But they get A and M and LSU the week after they play Alabama, which I think could help. Yeah, and they get them both in Oxford, and that's yeah. two games that A and M and Alabama, A and M and LSU couldn't can't afford to lose. We had Billy Lucci from Texags on our show yesterday, and he was kind of pointed out. That he's like, look, he's like the Mississippi schools have been a thorn in A and M side, but like this year and in the next couple of years, as they kind of take off under Jimbo, they can't afford to lose those games. He's like, nothing against the two Mississippi schools, but like where they're at, where they're both of their programs are at, like A and M can't afford to keep losing those games like that. You know, and so I found that perspective interesting. But yeah, I mean, I mean that that would be very bad for for A and M and LSU to go to Oxford and lose. You know, Ole Miss fought A&M tooth and nail last year. That's probably one of the better games. that It was still bad, but it was one of the better games that defense played all year. Yeah, they were leading that game in the third quarter. Now, granted, they got a little fortunate with the Zedrick yeah. Wood scoop and score and then Kellen Mond threw a pick. Uh, the guy yesterday, Lucci, that we had on yesterday saying that was the low moment of the year for Kellen Mond, where if there's ever a, a moment where he was going – where uh, Jimbo is going to go to Nick Starkle, who is now in Arkansas, has since transferred – it was probably after he threw that pick after the scoop and score and was like, okay, like if he throws one, you know, if he makes one more mistake, I'm probably making a change. Um, but then he's turned it around since Mon's got a chance to be one of, if not the better, like second best quarterback in the SEC. I mean, it's probably two. And then Kelly Bryant. Ooh, Jake Fromm? Nowhere? Oh, Fromm. I've done no top three. I don't know how that was literally just an oversight. <laughs> it's yeah. two of Fromm, um, then Kelly Brian and Mond. What do you do with a guy? And this would be all projection, but I think Felipe Franks has a really good year this year. I think he does too. I think he takes a jump, and I think Florida could have with as weird an offseason as Florida has, I think they have a chance to be really, really good. I don't so Georgia's winning the East more than likely. Yeah. Um because Kentucky's gonna take a step back. South Carolina's schedule is absolutely brutal. Tennessee's not there yet, but Wow, I mean, we just forgot Jake Bentley. I don't. I don't think he's that good. I think he's fine. Yeah, I don't think he's a top five quarterback in this league. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were real people last year who get paid to do this that had like South Carolina challenging Georgia for the East. It's right. like, it's like, 
It's like, well, like it's like it's like all these people fall for it every time. Every time you've had a quarterback that, like, no matter what he's done the first two years, like if he's like a three-year starter, and they're like, oh, you know, they got him again. I was like, well, he's not that good. So, like, what, does that really <laughs> matter that they have him again? Like, people fall for that shit every year. It was like the Dobbs Tennessee thing, and Dobbs was fine, <laughs> but like, like it's just the fact that you have a guy, even if he's not great for another year, it's the same thing. I guess it's kind of the same thing with Mon. Mon's played a lot of football for only a junior. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he started, I guess, most of his freshman year and all of last year. God, remember the uh, the Tennessee is back thing? And I guess it was 15 and 16 that was just nauseating. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, and it was that, it was the, particularly the 16 year, because it was like balls are back there winning the East. Like I watched Kirk Herbstreet on ESPN pick LSU and Tennessee to meet in the SEC title game. And then Tennessee went to overtime with Appalachian State on opening <laughs> night. They did. They did. And still had a chance to win the East, but they choked. But they, they literally took what? That was an absolute miracle at Georgia. And then they had another pretty much miracle at A&M that year. I don't remember. They, they had busted no, they got beat. Run. They got beat at A&M that year. But, um, That's right. But they did have a miracle to send the game to overtime. But what was funny is they beat Georgia and Florida that year and then still couldn't win the East. Well, I mean, Ole Miss in 15 beat Alabama, Auburn, and LSU and lost the West. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. And um, Wait, what would you say? I said then they won at Starkville. Yeah, they did. I mean, they beat Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and State and did not win the West. Um, But, yeah, so, like, I, 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 but Florida, I don't know. I mean, you get – Florida and Missouri are going to be really interesting because the way Missouri's schedule sets up, they could literally be 7 or 8-1 and one entering the month of November. And, like, they're probably not going to Georgia and winning, but, like, I'm not giving them zero shot. It'd be fun if they did and were like contending to win the East. And then CIA was like, nope, here's your appeal. Yeah, that would honestly be a wild storyline because they're the way their schedule sets up, they're going to be in this thing until late October, early November. I mean, barring them losing, them being way worse than, than you think they're going to be with some talent they have on the offensive side. But like, yeah, if that's going to end up kind of potentially being a weird storyline. And then I don't know. It feels like not that people forget about Dan Mullen, but like he's a, for whatever else you think about him, he's a damn good football coach, and he never really underachieves. No, I mean, I think they win. Uh, but that, to me, that's another story for another day. That's not going to be enough for them at Florida, the way he's recruiting. Not underachieving. He's not a good recruiter is probably is, yeah. what, is, is what it is. And I, like, I just figured by default at Florida because, you know, it's so much easier to recruit there and right. the challenge there that it would be better by default. And I guess it kind of has comparatively, but I don't know if it's good enough. Yeah. I mean, it's not, he's not recruit. He's not knocking the woods down recruiting. So how do you, how do you win, you know, national championships, which is the expectation there with, you know, top 15 classes. Right. So I don't know. It'll, um, it'll be interesting. Um, they say this is the start of football season, but then you have two more weeks where, you know, absolutely nothing happens. <laughs> and then teams start fall camp. So um, that's about all I got for today. That's I don't really have anything else written down. I don't. Uh, did I miss anything? No, nah, not much going on in the sports world, man, outside of media days. Yeah. So we'll be back at it with uh, with Mailbag Friday. Um, so I'll have a couple more stories on our website today. Um, and then a couple. Really, I'll have two or three more throughout the week. Uh, and then I'm going to L.A. next week. I'm going to L.A. <laughs> on Saturday. Um, I think I'm still going to do the podcast, though. Um, okay. So I don't think we're going to take a week off because the guy I'm going out there to see has to work. 
Um, wow, somebody working in LA. That sounds weird. Yeah. So he, he's he's out there doing an internship. So other than just chilling on the beach, I'm gonna have time, and I'm I'm I feel like going out to California. I'm gonna have some observations on just stuff out there. So we might <laughs> we not even gonna... do an old Miss related podcast. We might just start. I just might, I might do an entire podcast on just stuff I see on the West Coast beaches. There you go. We just start talking about California and see where it goes. Yeah, so I'm gonna have time. So I don't, I don't think I'm gonna take a week off from the podcast. Uh, mainly because I really just want to like record my thoughts on really just people in California because I feel like that that could be potentially interesting. <laughs> Sounds good. Um. Well, anyway, so send in your mailbag Friday request. Tweet me, text me. I'm not giving you my number, but if you have it, text me. Um. Email it. Whatever. Um, get your questions in for Friday. Like and subscribe to the podcast because uh, we'd like to get those subscription numbers up before we get to football season, um, which is really hopefully when this thing will kind of take flight. Uh, you got anything else? That's about it. All right. For Colin Brister, I'm Brian Scott Rivy. We'll be back at it on Friday when you're driving the show. So send in those questions and drive safely. But we'll be back on Friday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.